Bonus round. Let's talk about expansions. So, Luke, Laura, you have designed several expansions for for your games, and so like, let's just do a you know quick five minute ish discussion of like, what are things to think about if I'm if got if I've got a game, maybe it's already out, maybe it's already on the market. Like, what do I need to be thinking about as far as expansions, and and where does my mind need to be as far as designing one of those? Thinking about building an expansion is an interesting thing because um, you simultaneously want to be listening to fans. Um, and, you know, that's in the form of conversations with people and comments on BGG and responses to Kickstarters and things like that. It's simultaneously listening to them, but not exactly doing what they say. So um, you want to, as you go about designing an expansion, you want to think about ways to add more of what people like about the game. Um, you don't want to undo the things that are the strengths of the game. But then you also want to look at where the game could have gone and maybe didn't in its original inception. And now you're looking at adding things that will seamlessly take this game to a different place or to a new level. So um, recently we had on Kickstarter the um, Cold War expansion to the Manhattan Project Energy Empire. And that expansion I found was really fun to work on because it really it, it consists of a series of modules that you can you can just throw right in. You can throw in one, you can throw in two. Um, with the cards, you're just shuffling cards right into the same decks. Um, but if you add in these modules, they create more player interaction. They do so in a way that doesn't create any kind of um, uh, cutthroat experiences. They don't. Uh, they don't require you to to change how you feel about the euro nature of playing Energy Empire, but they do create these dynamics, uh, different dynamics of interaction. So, for example, um, there are these mega structures where they require certain kinds of prerequisites to obtain, and then they have a very high value. Well, what that does is it it kind of pushes players in certain directions where before they might have an open choice about which areas to go. Now, which areas they choose to go and build in uh, as they're playing Energy Empire, whether it's industry, commerce, or government, or going for energy dice, or climbing the UN track, there's now different incentives for doing those things. Um, they might be trying to climb the UN track and acquire some commerce cards because they're prerequisites for a certain megastructure. And multiple players may end up then competing in those areas in ways that they didn't before. Um, another thing that was added was the espionage card, which carries over from other Manhattan Project games. And it's carried out in a similar way in that you're actually potentially using your opponent's cards in their tableau. When you use their cards, they get a little cash bonus incentive. And so it isn't necessarily entirely harmful to you that they're using your stuff. In fact, you can build part of your tableau for the specific purpose of hoping your opponents will use those cards to gain that benefit. Um, it also adds in this, uh, uh, what we call the doomsday clock, which you know comes from the Cold War, the ticking up towards nuclear war. And in that, players are going and using the doomsday clock and they acquire Cold War cards. The Cold War cards let them... Um, acquire points in diplomacy, space race, and um, military power. 
there isn't actually any real fighting in energy empire, just acquiring these cards that say you have this certain amount of strength. Well, some of that becomes hidden information. Some of it becomes uh, face up information, but each time you go and use this, this doomsday clock, the clock ticks up and as it ticks up, it changes the value. And as it ticks up, it changes the value of winning in each of those things and winning diplomacy and winning the military. So, creating new ways of having player interaction that also seamlessly work with the original game. That's what I really tried to do with, with that expansion specifically with dwellings of Eldervale. Um, um, and uh, my understanding it's on Kickstarter now at the airing of this, this uh, recording with that, we're looking at lots of different things that um, are variants to play that look at the different ways that players like to play games. So for example, um, solo, I've built solo variants now for four different games and solo seems to be a real, real growing market. And um, there's a lot of players who, who they like to sit down and play a solo game um, before they go and teach it to their friends. And, and some people just, they just prefer solo games, period. That's just how they roll. So creating interesting experiences with that solo is something uh, that I've found is, is highly rewarding and extremely challenging. Um, the solo variant for uh, Dwellings of Eldervale, you're actually having the ghosts of Eldervale follow you around. And it's an extremely interesting thing to design because there isn't a static board in Dwellings of Eldervale. It has a different board every time you play. And so as the designing the solo, the solo has to be able to interact no matter what the board looks like. And it does that. So in a nutshell, as you approach designing new stuff for an existing game, you want to be really careful to not break what's there and then add more of the kinds that of things that people are really looking for more, more juicy bits, more fun experiences, more interesting choices and other ways to have, um, interesting player interaction. Yeah, definitely. Now I've heard some of some people, some designers talk about how when they're designing an expansion, a lot of times they just go back to their notes and they figure out the things that they cut out in the regular game, either trying to simplify it or, you know, have fewer rules or just maybe other faction abilities and things like that. And so like, what, what are your thoughts on that of just adding back in the things you cut out during the development process of the base game? You know, that's, that's really interesting because I thought I was going to do that with energy empire and when I went back and looked at what had been cut out, it felt like the things that had been cut out had been cut out for good reason. And <laughs> right. so the, here's an example we had in, in very early versions of energy empire, there were cards called treaties and treaties were like little action cards that were largely attacking. They were kind of an, kind of a mean way to play. And they're similar to the cards in Waterdeep. So when you're playing Waterdeep, you have these intrigue cards that can potentially make the other players' lives uncomfortable. And they also have the potential to harm some players more than others. And then that can have, leave a bad taste in people's mouth. They the, feel like they're the ones who are always getting affected by those things. So 
when I went back and I looked at the treaty cards, I felt like they didn't fit what people really liked about Energy Empire. And they don't want to add a set of attack cards to that game. So instead, took a completely different approach and everything in the expansion is stuff that was built after the game was complete. And we were looking at what are the strengths of this game and what are things that could be added that people would really enjoy. Gotcha. Well, awesome, man. Luke, again, really appreciate your time. Appreciate you talking about expansions and whatnot. And again, good luck with Dwellings of Eldervale on Kickstarter right now. And good luck with everything else you got going on. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure being on. Um, I really love game design and I don't mind talking about it either.